0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm joined today by none other than Matt Vincent. Matt is a two-time Highland Games champion. He's the founder of Hate Brand Goods, and he's the host of the very successful and widely popular Um So Podcast. Matt is really well-known in the fitness, powerlifting, and Highland Games communities as an elite competitor, a successful entrepreneur, and an all-around standout human being. He's also one of the most real and honest and raw people that you will ever meet. Matt's been in the game for a really long time, and he's learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. So if you're looking for some brutal honesty and a hell of a lot of party, Matt is here to bring it to you. Let's grab a notebook, grab a chair, and learn a thing or two from Matt Vincent. Let's go. All right, and welcome back to the intro on the show today. Matt Vincent, a guy who I've gotten to know more recently through my fiance Mindy, Matt's an absolute amazing human being. He's the founder of Hate Brand Goods, he's the founder of Habit Coffee, he's an author of multiple books, he's the host of the Umso po- uh, podcast. He's a two-times Highland Games world champion 2012-2014. He's an adventurer. He's a traveler, and he's all around just an amazing guy. I'm super excited to have this conversation with him today, Matt. Welcome to the show.
1: Welcome, man. Honored. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it's funny, right? Because people will ask questions about, you know, what what did you do to get here? You know, what was the start, or how did you start your business? And like, hate didn't start until 2014. But if I, you know, if I, it's e- it's easy for me to forget and look back at like what stupid steps I made that kind of ended up getting me there, like. So at some point in 2009 or 2008, I started filming stuff on a flip cam of Highland Games training or training in my garage to show the other dudes I was competing against so that we could give each other tips. Mm -hmm. And so I started putting those on YouTube. And then at some point I started speaking to the camera, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's the change. Um, And then from there, more, more and more people started following and now nothing's ever exploded, but like, yo, that was 2008.
0: Yeah. I've been at it forever. Yeah. I've been putting in the reps and, 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 you know, as we were talking before the show here, you've put in a ton of reps into your training for Highland games in that pursuit of being a world champion, 2012, 2014, you know, you were traveling up to 20 weeks a year at at some points. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think the audience who's listening to this, you know, mostly CrossFit functional training, you know, sees the Highland Games on ESPN. They see the Caber Toss and those types of deals. But what was that like pursuing that goal?
1: I, I loved it. Um, as far as sports go, like by the time I got to Highland Games, I'd kind of done a little bit of everything. I had uh, competed in weightlifting for a little bit. I'd done some powerlifting, both raw and geared. Uh, com- Strongman was probably the one that I focused on the longest prior mm. to Highland Games, which would have been like – Probably four years or so, and like started building out my garage gym and doing all that. And then, um, so I have a throwing background. So I threw in college at LSU. So I was a shot put, discus, hammer thrower uh, on scholarship there. I was very, very average
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as a collegiate thrower. Um, and then, a few years of strongman, got very, very strong, got very big. I was like three twenty. Wow. I think is that my heaviest? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I look like I was made of memory foam. It wasn't, it wasn't the best composition, but it was real strong. 320 is a big boy. I mean, I've done, I've done over a 400 pound log press. I've done some 420 pound stones. I've carried the Hoosafell stone. I've, uh, I have i think of anything else. Well, they a very good deadlifter. I've done like a 360 per hand farmers. Uh, Some fun stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I want a handful of, um, like a platinum level show or two in strongman, man um, never competed at nationals just didn't um, and then got into Highland games and it immediately makes sense like everything that I knew from the 20 years that I spent throwing mm-hmm. from middle school through high school through college all of it makes sense immediately it's application of force Uh, with rotation and linear drive and so as soon as I got into that I just took to it really well and I mean was my very first game was in like November of 2008 and then 2011 I'd finished second in the world at a professional world championship wow so it came to it really quick yeah Uh, I was able to learn it and so kind of like CrossFit it's nine events so I've got two stones that throw like the shot put. I've got two weights we throw for distance. They're like a uh, block, a uh, couple links of chain, and then a ring handle. And the ring handle, you hook grip and you throw it with one hand. So you throw a 56 pound and then you throw a 28. Typically spin around twice and throw it. Um, throw two hammers, one 16, one's 22 uh, for distance. And then we throw the sheaf, which is a 20 pound like burlap bag. We throw for height over a bar using mm-hmm. a, a pitchfork. It's it's essentially a snatch pull. At least that was my cues for it. It was like, once I hit that bottom position, it's a big snatch pull and just rip. But you've got to lead with the hips. That You can't, you can't throw any of the stuff with the arms. You just don't have enough time to accelerate it. You need the legs to do all the big heavy power. Um, the caber, of course, being the one that's like a telephone pole, and then finally is the uh, weight over bar. So it's a 56-pound that we throw up and over a bar mm-hmm. for height. So there's a mix of accuracy and distance, uh, cabers thrown only for accuracy. So you, you want to throw it and ideally run with it and flip it end over end. And it land directly away from you,
0: like on a clock face at 12 o'clock. So you get the longest distance with the, well, no distance. It's
1: only measured on how, how directly away from you it lands. Mm -hmm. So if it lands here or here, that's less.
0: Oh, so so it's got to be straight onto your body.
1: That's perfect. Yeah. So anything less than that would be like a one o'clock, a two o'clock. Gotcha. And then if gotcha. you don't flip it, you would get a measurement on degree. So you'd mm. get like a 70 degree.
0: So how when you were training for these games, obviously there's a high level of specificity that you're looking at for these events. You know, you're not just going to be fucking lifting some barbells and dumbbells in the gym. Were you mixing a whole bunch of stuff together to get to these specialty events or were you actually just practicing the events? How was your training looking like?
1: Mostly practicing events. Yeah.
0: Um, I would throw three or four days a week.
1: And, and especially with that many events to throw, what I always told people is like, look, if you're not sure what to do today to get better at the sport, go throw. Yeah. And until what I always felt that it's such a technical sport that um, until I can transfer a high percentage of the power that I currently have through clean technique, I need to fix technique. Like I've got more... I got more low hanging fruit to grab there. If I can improve technique, whereas strength's easy, man, I can do that one. I can, I can get in the gym and do that work, but if I can't apply the gas, why am I adding more horsepower? Hmm. And so until technique got good, I just kept the gym pretty simple. Now, once technique got better, um, and I became what I would consider efficient or, um, proficient enough to to transfer enough power. Hmm. Um, then I could really focus on the gym. And so lift wise for me, I, I kept it really simple, right? Like, what do I need to throw further? I need stronger hips, legs, back, flexibility, shoulders. So the same things I was normally training anyway. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a big, you know, a big, big list guy of a uh, bench squat, deadlift, overhead press. And then I'm also going to clean and snatch. Um, and for me, it's always been that training needed to stay really sub maximal, which is one of the ways you can kind of hold on to that sport for so long. But because you're applying max force to light weights, like
0: the body takes a different beating. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I'm sure there's a lot of wear and tear in regards to that kind of lifting, you know, over the course of a long period of time, even at sub max, but also the events that you're doing. And we were talking about just the impact of all that one way rotational stuff. Like you threw a certain way for 20 plus years of your life. Yeah. And, you know, it ends up having a certain toll on your body. The body adapts. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. The body doesn't what care way? what the stimulus is. It's going to adapt to it over time. If you want your body to be super fucking good at sitting in a chair, guess what? Get a desk job. It'll be bad at standing.
0: Hmm.
1: It's like, so this is what we do 10 hours a day. Cool. We'll just build the machine able to do that really well what do you want to stand
0: for 30 minutes? That's going to be awful. But what happens when that all added up towards the end? So you got through two years of uh, amazing success, but of uh, a career in which you stood on the podium, you know, more often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, A a little over a hundred times. Yeah, probably. That's unbelievable Um, stuff. Professional athlete for all intents and purposes there.
1: You know, there was never, there was never a moment of like catastrophic failure. I never had that with my injury, um, which, yeah. I don't know psychologically how that's changed things. Um, cause I've, I've also never just had that catastrophic injury. I've torn an ACL or some shit like that in college, but got mm-hmm. it fixed and was through a PR 90 days later. Um, but I, I finished my 2016 season, uh, second in the world and decided it was time to fix the knee. Like I knew I was starting to have some issues. Mm-hmm. I'd torn a meniscus earlier in the year and got it fixed. Um, and so I knew, like, longevity-wise, we're going to have to do something because I couldn't really finish the hip anymore. Uh, I couldn't get hip extension, and so I can't finish a throw. And not finishing throws is the grossest, worst feeling ever. It's it's like trying to punch someone in a dream. Where you just, you're falling short or just missing. Everything. Yeah. Everything feels bad. Like, there's no transfer of power. It feels fast, but then it feels – effortless in a bad way Mm. like you've completely missed missed applying force to the implement and then it's gone and you're just like I didn't even get to try it's just really demoralizing throwing throwing poorly or missing throws um and so that was happening more and more and I just couldn't get it I just couldn't finish the hip anymore and so I decided to fix the knee take a year off and rehab and then that resulted in different course of action that uh ended up with eight additional surgeries and finally a total knee replacement.
0: Wow. Wow. So you went you went through, you know, eight, nine surgeries on on your knee for an injury that wasn't immediately catastrophic. You didn't have that moment, but you had No, I could have kept competing. Yeah, you could have kept going. You had this accumulated volume on your body from you know competitive Highland games. One of the things that I think is really interesting with you, there's not CrossFit hasn't been around, and Highland, Highland Games has been around for much, much longer, obviously, but CrossFit really has under been around. Just over 700 years. <laughs> yeah, over, just a little bit longer than CrossFit has been around. But That's why people are like,
1: do you think it's going to get popular? I'm like, probably not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 700 years of being under the radar. It's not a chance. Yeah, but with CrossFit, the um, there hasn't been like 30 or 40 years of the highest level athletes putting their types of body through this type of all year round training. And obviously the culmination at different times of the year at events. And I'm just really interested in the type of wear on the body that some of these athletes might experience as they get to their forties and fifties and sixties. Obviously we have masters athletes and all that kind of stuff, but you know, with your knee, nine surgeries to a total knee replacement. What, what was that like when you realized Mm -hmm. that this is going to have to be the path for me now?
1: It was ugly. Um, It was just really disappointing because, you know, ACL is the simplest thing. We do these all the time. And I just had complications, so my body did not – doesn't deal well with cadaver tissue. And so for anyone asking, um, did cadaver tissue on the ACL reconstruction uh, in 2016? In 2001, when I did the ACL the very first time, Uh, they were going to use my hamstring tendon. And then when they pulled my hamstring tendon for whatever reason said they couldn't use it. So I had a giant hole in the back of my leg. Um, and then they used the patella tendon on that knee to fix it. Um, which it held for a really long time. I trashed it at a skate park. Uh, Mm. and you know, doing, doing life, (laughs) uh, shit happens. I saved some kid, some fucking little kid rolled out in front of me on like a push bike you know, like real young and I'd come down a roller and my, my BMX bike didn't have any brakes. And so I threw a leg out to stop and it hyper extended and blew me off the side oh, of the man. bike. The kid never realized that I did that. But, <laughs> yeah, I did, it just would have been a pink cloud of, of toddler scattered yeah, you, around the, if I had just gone through it.
0: How much you weigh at the time? Two seven, two sixty, Yeah. Thinking. Going 30 miles an hour on a bike. It would have been oh, nasty. I would
1: have killed the kid. Yeah. And so you're welcome. Uh, and so at that point, you know, I'm like 22, I'm doing the bike shop thing. I don't have any money. So fixing the ACL is pretty, pretty non, not happening.
0: Yeah. And wow. So I so just
1: you, rode it out for, for a decade.
0: So you had, you first started feeling the, the ACL, uh, at 22. And then when did you have the total knee replacement?
1: In April 9th of twenty
0: nineteen. Wow, that's a long so,
1: time. Yeah, so yeah, toward the April, so toward the ACL, got it fixed in two thousand one. toward it again in two thousand five, at probably 22, 23 and then did no ACL. All the well, still, I still don't have an ACL. You don't need them, is what I understand.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you you need them <laughs> uh, for obviously. Uh, you know, all the purposes that you could operate normally with, but like, that's just a lot, that's a long time to be dealing with pain and, you know, And, and I really
1: wasn't in a, in a ton of pain
0: huh. from, from that whole stretch. I didn't really get in, in
1: bad pain until, until we started to fix it after 2016. I just had some functionality issues occasionally. Like I knew where my limitations were with the knee prior to that, like um, throwing was never an issue, even though it's rotational. Um, I know what direction I'm going. And so if I know where I'm going, like I can cut, I can make moves, I can prepare for it. But if you were to ask me to like do agility drills where I have to react, that's where I'm going to struggle. Like I'm just going to collapse. Cause I'll make a cut and my, my leg will move faster than my brain has time to say like stabilize, everything, stupid. And uh, I'll just fall down like a sniper in the rafters. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So it just went bad after 2016, after those surgeries. Um, it just gets chewed up from the surgery. So it was, you know, I did three attempted ACL reconstructions in under 18 months. And like, I don't realize the ACL doesn't take until three months deep in rehab. Mm. And then go in for, you know, a follow up or an MRI or something like that. And they're like, well, it's gone. I'm like, sick. Like... Or woke up from a surgery because we needed to scope out some scar tissue. Mm. I don't even count that surgery. I woke up and they're like, so we, we pulled out scar tissue. Everything looks better. However, the ACL is not there.
0: I'm like, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've never dealt with any sort of major injuries like that. Knock on wood. You know, I, I've been pretty healthy throughout my minor competitive career in CrossFit. And then, you know, obviously been doing this stuff for fitness mm-hmm. and functional training for a long time. My body's held up really well. But what would mentally, what was that like when? when you kind of came to the end of your kind of athletic career from a Highland games champion to transition now to, you know, like what's next, like what's next? How, how yeah, you have that feel? It was a rough landing. Um, Cause I could do well, like rehab I can do,
1: man. I'm able to just dive in. I can do that because it's part of the process. Like injuries come with the risk of what we do. Mm. And I always knew That at some point, like the Highland Games was a temporary thing in my life, right? Like, I'm not going to do this when I'm 50. I'm not going to do this. Uh, I'm going to do this for as long as it's fun. And then part of it being fun, too, is also being good at it. Uh, And so it was a way different, you know, mental check to the identity when I realized that, like, I wasn't athletic anymore. Like, I I couldn't walk more than 200 yards. I couldn't go up and down stairs. And so, like that hurt me and and that was a lot tougher for me to deal with uh, and being in chronic pain and like knowing that I actually had that physical limitation is something I've never dealt with before. Like, man, this, this body that I've been given it is a fucking great thing. Mm. It's awesome. Uh, whatever this avatar that I, that I get to play with during my time here is incredible. And like, it has reacted and performed to anything I've thrown at it. My entire life, and uh, they just finally gave up the ghost, yeah. And that's how it felt. It just felt like because mentally, like I still know how to throw, I'm not hurt, I have all this training knowledge, I have all this rehab knowledge, I've got all this information. I'm just no longer driving a machine that I understand how it operates anymore. The limitations mm-hmm. are so bad that I'm miserable, and that's in 2000. 2000- 16. The, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So as, as throughout that surgery process, um, you know, and so through that rehab process, I, I remember realizing that, Oh, we're no longer trying to get back to competing. Like that's never happening again. I'm just trying I'm to, get, just trying to get out of pain. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get out of pain and trying to make sure I don't decide to not deal with this anymore. Cause it's, it's that scary, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with athletes who have had injuries, you know, in their recreational training and minor injuries in comparison. I, again, knock on wood, I haven't really dealt with many athletes who I've encountered who have had really catastrophic injuries and needed that kind of surgery, but even the more minor stuff, it can throw people way off course, way off course, not only physically, mentally and emotionally. And sometimes these people you know, through all of the best efforts of keeping in touch and staying uh, positive, they never come back. They just—they're just, they're just gone. And now their body, perhaps, is in a worse state through inactivity and you know continued lethargy. You just yep, kind of give up.
1: Yeah, for sure that for that for sure happens. Um, you know, a lot of people too. We're we're such a competitive group, right? That. I think it's really easy for people to also respond to stuff like that. Like even what you're saying as a coach, who's dealt with people, you know, that you've been fortunate enough to not have catastrophic injuries. You've, you've dealt with some people who haven't had anything quite this severe, but you know, my, my knee pain and whatever level it was at or my hip doesn't take away that these people are in pain. Mm. Right. So like, it's not a competition. Like everyone, point. if your life has been adjusted because of pain, you're dealing with the most you can fucking tolerate. <laughs> that's just how it works. It's, right. it's, it's not like I'm always cruising around at a pain level 10. It's that I'm never below a three. And there's always this noise that's constantly barking at you, looking for attention, but you can't give it attention and make it be quiet. You know, it's, it's as close as I've ever come to kind of understanding what uh, like, like depression must be. And, you know, of course, the little bit that I dealt with that following all of this and the rest of life changes, right? It's just this yo, know, I'm trapped in a machine. I'm, I'm trapped in a thing that can't do. I can't go upstairs. I can't take a right step up a curb anymore. And like 24 months ago, I'm second best in the world at a, at a weird thing, but. Mm-hmm you know, I never planned on giving up being an athlete. I knew that I wouldn't compete anymore. The Highland games is a very minor part of my identity compared to the physical side that I really do depend on for stress management, for, uh, self-confidence, for self-worth, like to be able to manage a bunch of my own demons, man, like I need physical output. You know, I'm not trying to pretend those demons don't exist. I'm aware of what keeps them chained up and in front of me. Mm. And not having that output gets really dangerous
0: for me because I'll I'll just get self-destructive. In terms of self-destruction, like, were you at, at that end of your career when you stopped competing, you had the knee replacement and how were you gaining weight in activity? Were you kind of going off the rails in regards to alcohol, food, drugs? What, what were, what were the things that you were, reaching for at that point, you know, when it was feeling pretty dark. I
1: was able, I was able to hold diet together from jump
0: because I was so desperate
1: to get out of pain that that's really what kicked me into doing a ketogenic diet and a carnivore style diet was I wanted an anti-inflammatory diet. I wanted something to remove, just give me, you know, if I can steal two or 3%, I I need it. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do that. And so, When things get chaotic, one of the rules that I've always lived by is control what you can control. And one of those things I can control is the food I put in my mouth. There's zero excuse for not handling that one. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm not willing to do that, then what else am I not willing to do? And so that that to me helped me keep that together. So the self-destructive for me just gets it gets more drawn in. I don't want to deal with people. I got really shitty with my ex wife. Uh, I just was a bad partner. Mm. And and a lot of that too is me being frustrated at me for being mad that I can't do things that I should be able to do. I don't like fucking depending on people. I don't like asking for help nor, nor do I really want to be dependent on. I, I like operating for me without a whole lot of resistance. And this put me in a very, very different place that I have no desire to ever return.
0: Mm. the The food thing is really interesting to me, Matt, because like, you know, the, I agree with you. It's the last bastion of freedom that we really have, where it's like nobody, as an adult, nobody's gonna fuck. I have you to that. take something and put yeah. it in my fucking. Nobody's mouth. nobody's gonna do that for you. Nobody's gonna force right. anything down your throat, right? And like the the stuff that you know, when you're at birthday parties and people are, uh, you know putting pressure on you to eat food like if your friends are even if your friends are dicks like they'll maybe give you a hard time but they're not going to force you to eat anything but it is also well, they that- physically can't <laughs> yeah
1: also if your friends and family aren't supportive of your thing and they need more of an explanation from you maybe it's time to question hanging out with these people <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah it's a it's a weird one for it's me, real simple it is also the one that people are really able very easily to be like, ah, fuck it. And I'm just going to do whatever I want. And it's, it's really interesting that you've like, that was never an option for you. It was always like, I'm controlling this. This is mine. Well, I mean that feeling that people get that
1: ah fuck it. Right. Like I I attribute that feeling to, for me, like, I know that I need that feeling too, but it's simply that I need to know that there's a cell, that there is a detonate button on my life on like the current path that I have going forward or whatever it is, the goals, the business, everything. I need to know that there is a button that just says, fuck it. This is all gone right now, that it doesn't own me. Mm. Uh, What I need is knowing that I'm choosing not to push it. I'm not forced to do any of this. I'm not forced to eat this way. It's a choice. I'm at the wheel. And for me, like having that, that's been a big mentality that's helped me a ton. It's like, you know, I don't operate out of, out of obligation. I don't operate out of fear or any of those things. And so if I'm doing a thing, that means it was a choice because I don't have to be here. There's some consequences, you know, but I can also deal with those. And so if it's a choice and and I'm here by choice, then be present and be involved. And it's the same thing with my diet that like, yeah, no one's forcing me to eat this. And make a decision like is the meal that you're going to have an experience or is it fuel? Because if it's going to be an experience, yo, let's eat. You know, if we're going somewhere and there's, you know, a great chef or a friend's cooking a beautiful meal that they're very talented at or X, Y, and Z, yo, let's have some of it, but I don't need to eat six pounds of it. Um, but if it's just going to be fuel, like if I'm going to go to a Super Bowl party, you know, bring the food you want to eat. Mm. I'm not required to hang out with you, watch football, and eat garbage.
0: <laughs> That's not the requirement for that for that hangout. No, time. I can do whatever I
1: want. <laughs> if you don't like it, I'm happily going to hang out at home by myself.
0: Uh, it makes me laugh. But, but I'm I'm super interested in this idea of this. Um, you know, n- no obligation to do these things. That that's a really unique mindset. Like, what is then motivating you to make those right choices? What what helps you? Because you're right mm-hmm. now transforming your body in a way that I think is really motivating. I follow you on Instagram. I watch all the stuff that you do. You're uh, uh, an inspiration. Thanks, from man. The stuff that you've gone out and done with your knee, but also just the amount of experimentation and movement and all this type of stuff that you do. What's motivating you? daily to make those choices? I want to get better, man. Mm. Like, like I'm not maxed
1: out on this thing. And uh, a a lot of the motivation for me, I guess, would stem back. Like, uh, my my dad passed away in 2014. Um, In uh, April of 2014, died of uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm. And as much as that sucks, the big awakening for me with that was like, he went from my dad and normal and 11 months later was dead. Wow. And so um, that was an awareness on its own of none of this is guaranteed, man. Like there's no guarantee that I have tomorrow to, to do a thing. And so sitting around waiting for that doesn't make a lot of sense for me. I just remember my mom talking about like, you know, with dad that like, this wasn't the plan. Like we, we, were, we were getting ready to start doing these things that we had planned on doing while we got you boys through college, while we got X, Y, and Z done. And it wasn't the plan. And, you know, for me and my own belief system, the, the universe to me being, being whatever the higher power that I would agree that exists, it's indifferent. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't want me happy. It doesn't want me successful. It doesn't want me sad. It just, is in existence. And there seems to be a vibration to it that if you can tap into and listen to a little bit, as far as the left and right guidance, occasionally seems to help, seems to be less of a fight. Um, and so after kind of dealing with that and my dad, um, and then my own stuff of getting hurt, uh, I just, I just started thinking about like, well, how much time do you have? Because that's the only scarce commodity we've got is time. I, as of right now, I have one less day that I get a chance to do all the cool shit that I'd like to accomplish in my life before I'm dead. I have one less opportunity. And so, if I want to go and do a rafting trip on the Zambezi River, you know, there's some things I need to do to be prepared to do that. And those need to start today so that I can say yes if an opportunity comes up. Right. So I need to start sowing seeds now to give myself the opportunity to say yes to any of these things. Mm. And so that's where, and, and with that said, I don't have to run hate brain goods. I can go get a job. I don't have to hold my diet. I don't have to, to rehab. I don't have to go to meetings. I don't have to do any of the shit I do. Like it's all a choice. There's negative and positive consequences but that doesn't mean I have to do them. Mm. So that's, that's where the, the no obligation thing. Um, because with the X number of days that I've got left and that clock is ticking, it's my time. And I want to spend as much of it doing exactly what I fucking feel like. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I, I love and appreciate that point of view. And honestly, you know, I, I struggle with that thought of mortality a little bit, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm seven. It starts to, creep up in your mind. You know, the the number of days that you have left are, are not innumerable anymore. You know, when you're 18 or 22 and you're running through walls and you, you have no concept that you're ever going to be getting old. Yeah. You know, it's a different story, but what, what kind of advice? Cause I'm sure you encounter a ton of people who, who ask you things about like, Hey, I hate my job or I'm Mm. stuck in a shitty situation, or I don't know how to change. Because you're somebody who's experienced some of that stuff, maybe all of it, and you're on a different path now where you're in much more control and have much more license on your choices. Well, what what kind of advice do you give those people?
1: I think honesty with yourself has, has got to be the key across the board. And so I guess the, the thing I, I use for that is like, yo, if you don't like your job and you have a job, start looking for a new one. Great time to find a job is while you're currently employed because then you don't have to take jobs. You can actually make decisions and be at the will. This is being proactive instead of being reactive to, Oh shit, I need income. Um, if, if you're going to respond to me with, I don't have time or I'm tired or I don't know this or any of these other things, then also be honest with yourself and say, maybe you're not that unpleased with what you're doing.
0: Hmm.
1: And if you're not unpleased with what you're doing, do it and enjoy it. That's okay. The same way I feel about the honesty that comes with diet, right? Like if you keep asking me for, for nutritional information, and then every two weeks I see you, you're not losing weight. You're not changing anything. And you keep asking me for more information. You know, let's just be honest with each other and say, you don't care. It'll it'll buy you a lot less stress because I don't care whether or not you're thin. I care whether or not you're happy. And so, If you don't want to do those things, stop pretending you you want to Mm. be honest with yourself or get your shit together and do it. Yeah. There's not a middle ground. It's that indecisive middle ground that kills people. And so make, make that choice. And and that's the same thing. Like people don't like their job. I, I look at life as a really long maze and you're trying to get from one side to the other. And so as you're working your way through these different, labyrinths and tunnels and whatever it is you know you may at 28 reach this point and you go oh shit that's the end of this path like i have this job and this is as cool as it's going to be for the next 40 years and either say sweet or if you don't like it you may have to reverse to get back on another path that's going to get you further down the road and that reverse is going to be painful and also that reverse may be five years. That reverse may be longer than that, but you're trying to get to a better path to go further. And a lot of people aren't interested in that five-year kickback or three-year kickback or the loss of income or burning it all down by yeah. hitting the eject button. The reverse. That, that they stick with the well, the fallacy of, law, of sunk cost, right? The idea of whether that investment is time and people do it with relationships too. Of But we've been together 13 years. So what? You're not happy. We've been together 20 years or I've been in the job for 15 years. So what? You're not happy.
0: Mm.
1: Stop now. Like if it's going to take another 10 years for you to get into a job, that's going to be good that you want. You should start today.
0: You know, quit talking about it. Yeah. There's gotta be a step one. It's I, 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 it's, I think it's really easy though. Like the easy thing to do is when you're, uncomfortable or unhappy the easy thing to say is oh man i I would i would leave my job only if or i would write this book i have this great idea for this show or i'm going to create this product but the fucking hard thing to do is the actual step to do it and then following through with it like it's real easy to dream of these situations Mm -hmm. yeah it, it definitely is and
1: um you know, luckily for me, the, the more that in the last really four years since coming out of surgery and, and deciding that this is what I do for a living is essentially hate brand goods and, and being and being Matt Vincent for whatever yeah. reason. Um, then I'm going to be all in and I'm going to give everything I can to create the best stuff that I can create that come up with the stuff that I love most to create content that I'm passionate about, not chasing someone else's acceptance of what I do or approval. I'm going to make the stuff that I want to make. And that is sustainable. I'm not trapped, right? Like, you know, there'd nothing be worse than if I got really popular for doing cartoon lifting shit, like just circus tricks, Mm -hmm. because then you're stuck having to do circus tricks. No one's interested in you. So you have a big audience of idiots who aren't, who aren't interested in you. They're interested in the circus trick performed for me. I don't want that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That doesn't seem fun. I'm also not sitting on a bunch of like viral concepts that I'm just not choosing to fill. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. There's plenty of big talent in that that I may not have. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really, really easy to, to come up with reasons why you can't do things. And how many of those things that you can't do are a barrier that you put in your own way. And like, that's another one that you can remove those barriers to be able to travel more free. free. At least be able to think about the idea and into fruition instead of saying why you can't. It's really easy to look at be like, oh, I would love to have my own apparel company. Because you're looking at someone who's been doing it for seven years. You know, what you don't see are the three years that I didn't take a paycheck. You don't see the three books that I wrote before I made a t-shirt. You don't see the 900 YouTube videos. You don't see the blog posts that I did for two and a half years. Like everyone thinks my story started in 2014. Wow. Yeah. Which is fine by me. I don't care. And it's been a grind. Like I've never had a thing pop. I never had, it's just always been this steady, consistent growth. And you know, that's sustainable. And, like, not only that, that slow, steady growth like that, I have confidence in it.
0: Mm.
1: Like, we're, we're established. We're not going anywhere. I can make stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that confidence is something people don't have either. Uh, that people don't have either. And that confidence for me comes from performing when you ask. And that's something I got from the years of competing. It's something that if I don't have anything else at this point, like... Yo, I got I got confidence in me. Like I perform when I tell myself to do it. And that's a skill that I'm very proud that I've developed and I lean on a lot. Um and I would way rather take the risk and try and fail than than give the ball to someone else and hope they get it done.
0: Yeah. Do this. Concept- I'm not scared of failing. Failing's fine. <laughs> the concept of um the overnight success. There's, there's so much there to talk about, like, you know, not It only, just doesn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it really, it really does. I and mean, there is some stuff now that, you know, with YouTube and TikTok and all these types of things where you can have something go viral and you can have an amazing hundred million views <laughs> on some sort of thing that you did that was weird or crazy or for whatever and reason. You're not, you're not retiring off of that. Yeah, exactly. It's a spike. And I think people drastically overestimate not only the impact that something like that will have, but also how that's not easy to do either. It's not easy mm-hmm. to do something that gets a hundred million views, Nope. but it's even harder to wake up every day and put in the fucking work over the course of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years to get to the point where you're on that steady incline. That's the harder shit it's
1: it, it's a grind man i was really you know fortunate in the first three years that i ran hate i had a, i had a real job you know i had what a real job at? that uh, i worked outside sales in the petrochemical industry oil and gas stuff like that and so um worked for a specialty contractor and did that for 10 years wow um and so i, I mean i got a lot of skills from that job i just knew that I mean honestly, it was until kind of hate started and hate started going I would have happily probably stayed in that realm. It wasn't a terribly hard gig. I was good at it and I made good money. But I mean when when they fired me, my salary was around I don't know 160 170 grand oh, and man. I didn't pursue another job. I took some interviews which was fun because I'd been in the industry long enough people call and so I had some had some meetings and read, like uh, stuff like that. And so I essentially got asked like we would go to these meetings and they're like, uh, so you have a resume?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I'm like, "You called me, man. <laughs> you you know who I am. If that piece of paper is the difference in you hiring me or not, like I'm not interested." <laughs> and then like I had no interest in updating it because I've got a thing that's working. And then at that point, like anyone asking for like what my interest is for salary, like I told people three fifty. Because if you want it, that means I need you to buy away hate brain. Cause I'm not sure I'll have time to commit to it. And I think it at some point will pay me X.
0: Mm.
1: So you got to buy that and I'll give you full attention, but you're paying for it. And not only that, like I'm just going to take that salary in long enough and then probably get fired again because I'm interested <laughs> in this. Um, But the outside sales job at that point, like, it's not terribly difficult. Like I'd already done the the grunt work. Like I had built relationships and had all that. So you could, you could run it pretty easy. Um, And also I didn't give a shit. So
0: they were going to fire me at some point. That's a good position to be in, man, where you, you've built your, your side company up to the point where you say, Hey, listen, this thing is valuable for me. I know my time is worth X. If you want me, this is what it's going to take. If not gonna go do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about hate tell me about hate brand goods. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about watching you and your company and and Bonnie and all the people who are involved in it and Mindy is the fact that it's got such a strong culture. It's got an undeniable cool factor about it that I think a lot of brands are fucking killing themselves to find and get. What's the culture of hate brand goods like?
1: So that, that thing that you're mentioning, like that, that thing that is the cool thing to me, a lot of that is not chasing gimmicks and not chasing trends and being, being true to what your thing is, um, you know, and, and further polishing that message and further polishing that thing. And for me, the message of hate brand is like, you know, hate yourself enough to do the work, like hold yourself accountable. If you're not willing to want it, like, I can't want it. I can't want you to be successful more than you do. Like if you're not willing to suffer and do whatever it is and work for it and and get up early and sleep less and lose sleep at night and do all those things for your success, like I'm sure shit, not going to do it for you. So hate yourself enough to do the work. You're in control. I want, I want people to take accountability and responsibility for everything in their life, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And I describe that concept as like, if I borrowed your car, man, and I wrecked it or dented it or did something, I'm going to, pay for that damage because I took your car. You know, you, you let me borrow it and then I'm going to fix it because I'm under responsibility for that machine. Now, if I let you borrow my truck and you dented it, I'm going to fix it because I gave you the keys. I'm never a victim. Now I may not lend you my Uh. truck again. I'll learn from the decision. Also, if you would like to help fix the thing that you messed up, I'm totally willing for help, but I don't sit there and expect it. I did this.
0: That, my friend, is super fucking rare these days. The idea that you're never a victim, because you know, obviously, there are people out there who are victims.
1: Yeah, I'm not a victim with the knee.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I chose to compete in a sport for ten years. Do you? Do I think any of what I did was healthy? No. Look, if you want to do health and fitness. For, for health and fitness sake, there's tons of avenues. In fact, all of it can be healthy. If you're interested in being the best in the world at a thing, that's no longer your pursuit. You are burning. Hmm. You, you have set fire to the forest and you are on counted time. There's a reason that we're not seeing Matt Frazier or Rich Froning run at that pace for 10 years. You can't. The gas tank is only going to burn so long, man. You just can't run that hard for that long.
0: Hmm.
1: and. I was aware Uh, that clock's ticking too. And and so if you want health, health is something you can do forever. You know, being fit, taking care of your body, making sure your body is going to be a tool that can be used to do rad shit. Mm. Um, But if you have interest in being the best at a thing or even performing to your maximum potential at a thing, you're going to overstep that line a lot. And that's the only way to know. Mm. Um, So, so be responsible for knowing that you took that decision.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that go on right now that people don't take ultimate responsibility for. They don't own, right? Like this idea, what, what you just said about the car really hit me was that like, if I borrow your shit, if I borrow your car and I dent it, you are going to take responsibility for it. Right? Like that, that, that that does not exist in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people think that if they're wronged, they're owed something.
1: Nobody owes you. No one owes you shit. shit. Yeah. No one owes you happiness. No one owes you success. No one owes you the right of way. No one owes you shit, man. You get what you deserve.
0: Hmm.
1: You get what you earn, get what you build. And to me, that limits my ability to to have someone else get the keys to my emotions. Fuck now, Matt didn't pay me for that dent in the car. Yo, you gave him the keys. Don't give him the keys anymore. Yeah. Don't give anyone the keys anymore. How do you learn from that instead of deciding to let it continue? It's just another thing to go, hmm, that didn't work out as planned. Maybe I should change my course of action in the future.
0: And ultimately that comes down to what you can control versus what you can't control.
1: And it's about making decisions, not based on emotion and make them based on data. Hmm. You know, I, I, I I can love a person I'm I'm around, but if the data keeps telling me that they're shitty to me then perhaps they're shitty, (laughs) you know, the person you're around continues to lie to you and continues to hurt you and continue to be mad at you. Maybe they're not as interested in you as you are them, and that's okay, but let go yeah, or decide you're okay with the exchange because you're allowed to make whatever choice you want. I'm not telling you there's right or wrong choices. I believe that there are favorable and unfavorable consequences for decisions you make. That's it. There's not a right or wrong and that's that's how i feel about just about anything am i getting a favorable response from this or an unfavorable one if it's unfavorable stop immediately
0: yeah the idea that emotion can play such a big part in the decision making process for people is there are some blessings that come along with making emotional decisions you know on, on the positive side when you're excited about something or You have some sort of really big boost of energy, but when you allow that emotion to take over everything in your decision-making matrix, and particularly when it's the negative stuff, when you're angry or when you're just scared or fearful or feel that you've been wrong, like those decisions typically would be better served based off of data, not emotion. Or at least be able to look at both.
1: That's true. Because right? because I definitely I definitely guide by emotion a lot too, and I really describe that is it's it's a fuck yes or no, and that's another one of those things that I've had to learn over thirty eight years to be honest with myself about, especially in the last seven years of business. Um, is it's either got to be a fuck yes or no, and 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 that's really simple as though. Like if I'm trying to figure out like, should we do this? Or should this be a decision I make? Or should I invest my time or energy into this other thing or brand or company or working with these people? If it isn't to fuck yes, don't bother. Hmm. You don't have to be a dick to these people, but don't bother. And that to me is another one of those things that I've been able to be honest with myself about enough to say, if it's not a fuck yes... And I'm not going to be obsessed and I don't care. And I'm not going to think about it all day. And I'm not going to do all these things. I'm not going to do a good job at it. I don't have such a vast skill set to half-ass success. I can't do it. For me to make it, it's got to be full speed. And I have to be locked in to where this is what I want to go toward. um, And I'll figure it out because I'm obsessed. Mm. But if I'm not obsessed, it just goes to the back burner and I don't give a shit. And it'll just sit yeah. and then it's a waste of time. Right. And then I have four or five of those things that are just slow cooking. And then if the opportunity for something rad comes across, I don't have time. I have to say no. Yeah. And so that that's only, you know, and that's the emotion side, right? Like I do that with design work. I do that with everything. Everything's a rule. Like I looked at a blank yesterday and I sent it, I, I looked at it and I'm like, man, it's kind of gimmicky, but also like, meh. it's a, it's like a hoodie that, uh, like has a pouch folds into itself, but the pouch is a like drawstring backpack. Mm. I was like, well, sure you can put stuff in it, but then as soon as you want to wear it, all your shits now in your hands, like <laughs> it's not a great jacket. and It's not a great backpack. And so it felt gimmicky. Like it was novel, but for whatever reason, instead of saying like, yo, let's make 10 of these or, or 200 of these or a thousand of these, I sent it over to my team and I was like, what do you guys think of this? And the truth is I should have never sent that because if I had to send that it's a no. Yeah. It wasn't a fuck. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's definitely not, you know, and then occasionally I've got, I've got some great people around that if there's one of those that it's like, maybe it's not a fuck yes because I don't have enough information So find the information. Mm. You know, that, that's something I've just been able to get better at further down the road, like whether it's investment opportunity or something like that. Of like, I don't know enough to give you an answer. And Having so, the
0: humility to admit that is, is key.
1: Know, I'm, I'm not terribly smart. I have a general studies degree from LSU. Um, I threw rocks in a field. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I did, I'm not a scholar. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm interested in. And you know, being mindset and kind of those type of stuff are where things have been driven a lot lately. And you know, finding uh, you know, finding supplements that kind of lead to more of that mental coverage has, has been fun too.
0: <laughs> well, Matt, I know you're a busy man. This was a super interesting conversation to me. I the stuff that we got into here at the end is absolute gold. Um, I appreciate your time, man. It was really Dude, catching you, up. Dude, thank you, man. Yeah.
1: And I, I appreciate yours, man. And again, I can't believe we haven't crossed paths in human existence yet. Well, we, we will. We will. We for sure will. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I get dope finished, I really want to have you and Mindy out. So, Well, let's end on that. What? Tell me about dope. What is dope? So dope is it's, it's a space I rented. And I guess kind of the purpose behind it was like, I know I needed a gym um, to film content Mm -hmm. just so that it's efficient. I've had, I've had my, my gear here in St. Louis at a a really, really great powerlifting gym nine for nine, uh, since I moved here for the last two years. But the more that I've gotten busy, that gym is a 30 minute drive from me. And so I I don't have an hour to burn to go to and from, especially if I need to go film for 10 minutes, Mm. what ends up happening is I don't go film. So I need to remove that barrier for me to do my job better.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I know where I'm weak and I hate inconvenience. That drive is an inconvenience for me where I could have that time better spent doing something else. And so I found, I found a place, uh, after looking for a while, that's like two miles from our house. Um, it's about 3000 square feet, which is plenty needed a lot of work, but it's also really cheap rent. Mm. Um, and so I turned, I dumped a bunch into it. And so this is, I'm building out the gym. I built a podcast studio to being exactly what I wanted. And I've really kind of built this uncompromised space that, that I love. Very cool. And that's really what I wanted. So dope is an acronym and it stands for a uh, division of performance enhancement. And my whole purpose of this facility is like, this is where we get better. This is where we can, we can do and try and do anything we want. It's a safe space for whatever it is we want to do here to try to get better at being us. And so I wanted to build, build that spaceship, man, build it full control so that we can shoot content the way I want to. I want full control over the lighting. I want, you know, the sound to be the way I want it to feel. I want the vibe to be right. Like I just wanted to try to build what my favorite space could possibly be. And, uh, I don't know, man. Getting to build a little bit of a universe is really fun.
0: That's very cool, man. It's very cool. It's cool to see the progress too. And, um, I can't wait to come and visit and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of creativity, a lot of really awesome stuff that comes out of dope and future's bright, my man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's fun right now, man. Um, it's busy, it's busy, it's busy in those things.
1: Right. But it's again, being, you know, back to that idea of I'm not obligated to do anything like Mm. So all the busyness and all the stress I have in my life is shit I've decided to, to bring <laughs> it's forward all
0: self-imposed yeah but you know,
1: it's, all, it's all work I've created. so like you know, even even little stuff that I enjoy keeping my head on straight about was like I got really shitty about doing photo shoots for a while.
0: Hmm.
1: I just really hated it. And this was like October of last year. I mean, you figure I've done I've done four photo shoots a month for six years. I'm, I'm over it. I can only look like this so many times, yeah, look you know, look, look, look slightly away. sideways and like, I don't know what's going on. I'm of, great at that. That's, that's the only move i got. <laughs> I've seen it a lot. And so I just got really fed up doing them. And I was really shitty at this photo shoot with Brandt and with Bonnie. And I kind of needed to have a check and have a moment and be like, so based on what this drop should produce and sell, would that be an okay amount of money for you to be paid to come have a pleasant day today doing a photo shoot that you created for clothes you made? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it would be. Get your shit together. This isn't an inconvenience. This is, this is the job.
0: Yeah, dude. I, I have some of that sometimes too, where I'm sitting there looking at workouts. I'm just like, man, I don't. I have no interest in building this workout right now or thinking about this concept or whatever. And then just all comes back to me where it's like, I'm sitting here looking at a workout that I get paid to create that people are going to go out there and experience that they're going to hit me up on Instagram and say that workout was fucking awesome. And then you're providing
1: tools for someone to improve. Yeah. It's a good way to frame it, man. I I think, I think it's all important, man. And so like, once that shift happened and like, we've had more fun with photo shoots and like the reality of it is like, so like last night we're shooting some stuff and we got a pretty heavy snow. And so we decided to shoot some stuff outside in the snow. It's like six degrees outside, snowing a ton and we're playing around with lights and just enjoying it. And, uh, we get back inside and Andy, uh, one of our new photographers, uh, is talking. He's like, man, if you were to watch us like from one of the neighbor's windows, how stupid we look like just cruising around and circling with lights while I'm swinging a kettlebell in the snow. Like, what are these idiots doing? And then at the same point, I was like, you think that feels weird. I paid for all this. (laughs) Like I'm paying for you to be here. I pay for him to be here. I paid for those lights. Like I paid for all of this to happen. Like, (laughs) like that's a weird reality is like that, that I'm getting to do these fun things and it's not like, Oh, what a cool job. It's like, I'm funding it. And 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 it's, it's, it's it's definitely more fun looking at it. Like, yo, what's the coolest shit we can fund because the sales are the side effect of doing rad shit and creating cool stuff.
0: That is an interesting concept. I watched something last night uh, on, uh, it was an interview with one of the guys who was like the top artist at Marvel. And he was the guy that also created Spawn. And he was saying that, Oh, Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane. All of his success is just a, side as a result of his ability to create art. And it's just an excuse to create more art. All the money he makes is just license for more art.
1: It's just the money, money. I think people chase side effects, right? And I I consider money and success a side effect of doing the right things because it's like you're trying to chase the ghost, which is the side effect. It's like trying to chase weight loss when what you should be focused on is proper nutrition sleep and fueling your body for performance. The weight loss is the side effect from living in a caloric deficit. Stay there. Mm. The number, the data will sort itself out. You know, whereas people get caught up on that number on the scale, man, whereas a number on the scale is
0: relative. It's just how much earth is trying to pull you to the middle of it. <laughs> it's very easy to fall in love with the progress, man. I talk about that a lot and it's very hard sometimes to focus on the process and, um, you know, it's sexy. The results are cool. The abs are cool. The money's cool. But the, the grinding it out in your fucking garage when nobody's looking or the choice to close the refrigerator at eight o'clock and not eat anymore or, you know, the, hey, let's go out six degrees outside. Let's go have a photo shoot because right. it's the good it's the right thing to do. That's the tough shit. That's the hard yep. stuff.
1: And, and it's those years of the grind and the training. And, and I mean, look, when people ask me, what should I do to get stronger? My answer is always, I need you to bench squat, deadlift and overhead press moderately heavy once a week for a decade
0: (laughs) for 10 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It'll work out. You can't even fuck it up. (laughs) Don't get hurt. Don't go over 90%. You'll be just fine. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be really strong. Yeah. You'll, you'll do just fine. Yeah. But people want, how do I add 50 pounds to my bench in the next six weeks? Like, why don't you add five pounds forever instead of now? Well, I only added 10 pounds this cycle and then they're bummed because of some expectation. So that that's another recent kind of concept as I, I realized I'm still just rambling and you probably have shit to do. Um, Let's keep on. um, there's a big difference for me in figuring out my intention versus expectation. Hmm setting expectation allows me to kind of be able to get disappointed in not knowing exactly how I wanted us to get from point A to point B. You know, that's saying like, Oh, well, I expected 50 pounds on my bench. You know, this, this cycle, and I only got 10. Whereas ever, if you just set your intention to improve your bench this cycle, the same result happens, but you have a better emotional response. And it builds confidence instead of feeling like you let yourself down to an expectation that's based in no reality whatsoever. Mm. Like, well, I was going to lose 30 pounds this month, and I didn't, so I failed. When you lost 28. Like, the goal should be lose weight. Yeah. You know, the, the goal should be take care of your diet, treat your body better, respect it, do all these things, not the expectation that you have pulled out of the ether, not based in any science or data or fact or life stress or reality
0: that is a big issue. This idea of unrealistic expectations, expectations that not, that are not grounded in any sort of realm of reality in any way, shape or form. And that's really tough in both business and like your personal life. I think that if you if you have an inability to set a realistic expectation, you are going to be disappointed 10 out of 10 times.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like if, if my only measure of happiness this year is to set the expectation that I need hate brand to do a hundred million in sales. Yeah. It ain't happening. Yeah. But we can make like, but if I ever want to do a hundred million in sales, while I don't believe it's impossible, I believe it's very improbable, but I need to be able to do 10 million first. So let's just make progress. And as long as we're making progress, the side effect eventually should be there you know and that way expectations will tend to kind of if you were driving and you know we're gonna head north if that's the direction we're gonna go and i'm gonna point the car north and i'm gonna lock onto the steering wheel and not give it anywhere to go left or right it's gonna be a rough road while technically what you're doing is right because you're headed north it's not the way the road and the universe and other cars and things tend to be in your way. So having the, having the intention of like, I'd like to go North and whatever I need to do to get North is fine.
0: Yeah. Well, 2020 taught everybody that man. And I mean, if anybody was driving North and didn't have the uh, wherewithal to pivot you know, left or right a little bit through all the shit that happens, regardless of what your political leanings are or like your thoughts on everything that's you know, going it's, a, like-
1: it's 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 a virus. It's not right or left. Yeah. It's incredible that we've decided to make it that way. And by we, but, but the people running the boat love us not happy with each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Regardless. If I haven't
1: learned anything else from 2020, neither right or left give a fuck about us. And yeah. that's fine. I'll deal with them knowing that.
0: Yeah. But when you're holding that steering wheel and you want to go North and it's North at all costs, at all costs is not the way to go.
1: No, you're you just going to end up in the ditch. Yeah. You've got to be a little flexible. Just set the intention of North and then enjoy the process.
0: Hell yeah. All right, my man. Well, yep. We've got to go, and I want to come out and see you guys in St. Louis as soon as possible. We will
1: absolutely do that soon. I imagine April will probably have dope up and running, so we'll come we'll make figure something out.
0: Thanks for the time this morning, Matt.
1: Dude, thank you. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to uh, being able to chat with you on ours. All right, chat soon.